Last week we spoke about the church in Ephesus, you remember? And the church in Smyrna, you remember? And, and how the leaders died. That despite of the leaders, people still have to live for God themselves. That the, the quality of the leader helps the church to strive to a better quality of self. But it doesn't make sense for a church members to think my pastor is devoted to Jesus, therefore I am. We saw last week again. And it doesn't work like that. Paul hard. But the church in Ephesus were found and caught napping. So last week I read you a story, a hectic one. This week I'll read you a very light one. Who was here last week? You remember the stories, they were hectic. Eh? Let me read you a simple one about Richard Wombrandt. Richard Wombrandt was in the USSR. Because they are communists. And they had arrested him for being a Christian. He's still alive today. He was beaten to a point that he says, the only way I knew I was alive was because my heart was beating. But I couldn't feel anything anymore. I couldn't feel my hands. I couldn't feel anything. They made him to stand outside in cold, freezing days with just a shirt. They made him do strange things. But he kept preaching even to those people that were torturing him. And he had an encounter with one of the captains that were supposed to torture him. And this is the story he writes. He says, Christianity has become dramatic with us. When, a, when Christians in free countries win a soul for Christ, the new believer may become a member of a quietly living church. But when those in captive nations win someone, we know that he may have to go to prison and that his children may become orphans. The joy of having brought someone to Christ is always mixed with the feeling that there is a price that must be paid. He says, in our time, a person... Here in this church, a person can get born again and never serve God. And never become anything in God. And never love God. Why? Because they don't know the cost of following Jesus. It doesn't cost them their lives anymore. Therefore, the words that they must deny themselves and carry their cross and follow don't make sense to them. When I, when I was still living behind the iron curtain, I had met a Russian captain. He loved God, he longed after God, but he had never seen a Bible. He had never attended religious service. He had no religious education, but he loved God without the slightest knowledge of him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 
For in creation, God's attributes have been revealed so that no one is without excuse. Here's a guy, he's never seen a Bible, he's never had a preacher, he's never gone to church, he's never, never heard about God. But he knows God from within. He loves him because he knows there's God somewhere. I read to him the sermon on the mount and the parables of Jesus. After hearing them, he danced around the room raptures, with rapturous joy, proclaiming, What a wonderful beauty! How could I live without knowing this Christ? It was the first time I saw someone jubilating in Christ. It was the first time I see someone hearing about Jesus and dancing. Then I made a mistake. I read to him the passion and the crucifixion of Christ without having prepared him for this. He had not expected it when he heard how Christ was beaten, how he was crucified, and that in the end he died. He fell in an armchair and began to weep bitterly. He had believed in a savior and now his savior was dead. You know, when I read these stories, they, they, they speak different things to me. But when I read these words, he wept bitterly because his Savior was dead. I asked myself this question. Does it still matter to you that Jesus is in your life? If Jesus was to be away, would it make any difference anymore? I hope it does. So that you can start loving Jesus again. Most people, if Jesus was to be removed from their lives now, it wouldn't make any difference. Why? Because they don't share the heart of God anymore. They still Christians, they still go to church, but it makes no difference to them. When they hear the word of God, it makes no difference. When they don't hear the word of God, it makes no difference. How sad have we become? I looked at him and I was ashamed that I had called myself a Christian and a pastor, a teacher of others. I had never shared the sufferings of Christ at this Russian officer now shared them. Looking at him for me was like seeing Mary Magdalene weeping at the foot of the cross or at the empty tomb. Then I read to him the story of the resurrection. When he heard this wonderful news that the Savior arose from the tomb, he slapped his knees and he shouted for joy. He's alive! He's alive! Again, he danced around the room, overwhelmed with happiness. Eh? Overwhelmed with what? It's almost like, if Jesus, you are dead, I'm doomed. Just so how soon but you are alive. You've oh. defeated death and the grave. Well, I'm back in business again. I don't think we share that. Eh? I don't think so. But the part I like. I said to him. Let us pray. He fell on his knees together with me. He did not know our holy phrases. His words of prayer were, Oh God, 
What a fine chap you are. If I were you and you were me, I would never have forgiven you your sins. But you are really a very nice chap. I love you with all my heart. And this guy writes, he says, I believe at that moment, the angels stopped what they were doing to listen to this guy's prayer not religious in any way just a man who has realized the value of Jesus in his life and says Jesus I love you with all of my heart I have not wept so bitterly for my family my family have died I have lost money I have been retrenched I have been unemployed but I have never cried hopelessly like this until you it was said you are no more in my life and I had asked them to play a song for us in the morning. And this song says, for me, it, it recenters my focus on Jesus. I don't know what it will speak to you. But personally, I'm on a journey of finding afresh God in the things God has made to be found in. God has made worship that he may be found in it. Because he dwells in the praises of his people. God has made that he may be found in his will. He may be found in our lives. And I, I go back, I listen to songs again. Why did I miss this when I first heard this song? Some of you may not know the song, some of you don't, but it's okay. Thank you, Jesus. Saint, here's what I want you to realize this song says. I want to take your word and shine it all around Lord. I want your word to be in my mouth I want to proclaim it I want people to know your way but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27 I discipline my body so that when I have preached to others I am not disqualified myself so Lord help me not to preach what I cannot live Lord help me not to tell others to stop doing what I'm doing and when I can find myself in that point of grace where your hand keeps me from stumbling and falling Lord help me not to be proud help me not to seek a ground for people to know how holy I am 
When I do good things, when I give to the poor, when I love my neighbor, when I help others, help me not to want to be known. But let me remain obscure. Let not my right hand know what my left is doing. Because my reward is to bring you glory. May it never be that I do things to be clapped hands for. May it never be that I do things to be given a pet at the back. Lord, if I get accolades, let my profit be the fact that I have brought you glory. Since it is wrong to live your life to your own glory. For God says I am God and there is no other. And I will share my glory with no one. And isn't it amazing that you and I every time we are angry is because people don't acknowledge us. And we become barren because we want accolades. People are no longer as productive in what God has put in their lives. You know why? They don't recognize me. Can I tell you, the more they recognize you, the more they cheat you of the glory of God. Because when men reward you for the good things you do under the instruction of the Lord, Jesus says you have received your reward. Jesus How's that? So And so in the in the churches that we read about, they say to the church in Pergamum in verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write. These are the words of him who has sharp devil edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have few things against you. There are some among you. Saint. Jesus says, Tell them, I am the one who has the double-edged sword. I was saying, now we were taught wrong that a double-edged sword is one you handle in the, you, in the middle. You have, have you ever been taught like that? Yes, you remember. You've, ne- you've never been taught that. They taught us that, that you know, it's a sword. You know, it, it's actually double-pointed. It's not a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword is a typical sword that you and I know. You know the, the, the ninja sword? It is single-edged. It, it cuts like this most of the time. But a double-edged sword, it me, has edges on both sides of the blade. Me, it cuts this and cuts that way. And part of what we were taught was that this sword, if you don't handle it careful, it will cut you too. 
Let's use some simple logic. You have the right picture of the double-edged sword now, right? What are the chances of it cutting you? Let's leave it. The Bible says, John says in chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, he says, I saw a double-edged sword coming from his Mouth. But what do we know about the, the edged sword? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That very sword, if rather Hebrews 4:12 says, the word of the Lord is living and is active. And is sharper than any other two-edged sword. It pierces to the bones, dividing the soul and the spirit asunder. Now here's what I like: it judges the thoughts and the intentions of men. So the word of God, as it comes out, Jesus, when he speaks the word. He says Are. to the devil. The devil says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Guess what? I'm glad I'm preaching to you. The, the rest I don't know where they are. Okay. Oh, the God WW. Yeah, I can see I'm preaching to someone now. Okay, can I stand here and get some moral boost? <laughs> When the devil says, if you are the double-edged sword, it is written. It posed danger for the devil, not for Jesus. That is why then Revelation 12 says, they overcame, that verse 12, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The devil he says, throw yourself down for it is written. He's it coaching as well. But see, there's a difference between the devil and Jesus speaking the word of God. One is quoting the written word. Another one is speaking life of the written word. In John chapter 6, this is how the difference comes. Jesus says, the words that I speak, they are spirit and their life. There's a difference. The devil quotes what is written. But when Jesus speaks, he releases life and spirit. And so when he says, I will come and fight you as a church, I think you, you want to think about what that picture looks like. Maybe the, the, the he says to them, Nevertheless, I have few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught, who taught Balak to entice Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to adults and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold it to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let him 
Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden man. I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it. Known only to the one who receives it. What I want to do in the next, I don't know how many minutes. Listen to what he says. He says, as a church, I have a problem with you because some among you. Walk and practice the teachings of Balaam. So which means, he's not saying all of you. But the problem now is, he's dealing with you as a whole church based on some of you. So as a church, you must go back and correct those some that create enmity between you and God as far as his will is concerned. He says, this among you, they walk in the era of Balaam. Let's just read few things about the era of Balaam and release the sleepers to their couches. Numbers 22. I'm reading from verse 1. It says, Then Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and kept, camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Israel camped next to Jericho. The plains of who? Wake up. The place of who? Moab. Moab. Who was Moab? Moab in Elemang. Let's read in um, Genesis 19 quickly. Somebody must start praying for me. Genesis 19. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has risen up to God. God hates their sin. And he says, I'm going to destroy them. One of the major sins of Sodom and Gomorrah was men sleeping with men. I'm sure you know what we're talking about right now. That same thing that we are dealing with got the whole city killed. Except Lord, his wife and the two daughters. As they run out of Sodom, his wife looks back and turns into the pillar of salt. And now they run to the caves. I'm reading from verse 8. Lord and his two daughters left Zohar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zohar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the young, Our father is old and there is no man around here to give us children. As is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family life through him. You see, they came out of a city where people had just been killed for unnatural sexual relations. Listen to to her suggestion. Okay. 
Verse 33. That night they got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the young, Last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight. And you go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also. And the younger daughter went in and slept with him. And again he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son and she named him who? He's the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son and she named him Benami. He's the father of the Ammonites of today. And these became the, the, the enemies of Israel. But I want you to learn, learn something about this portion. The Moabites were born out of unnatural sexual relationships. Do you know what we call that? Incest. Not insect. For DET, I'm talking for those like me. Not insect. Incest. And God hated. But then they slept. You see, they had to get him drunk to do it. Because sober, he would not allow it. He knows. But the spirit of sexual immorality permeated the Moabites. So in the past, if they called you these two things, they were really saying bad things. If they said you are a Moabite or a Corinthian, we'll talk about the Corinthians one day. So we are there. Chapter 22 of Numbers. Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab, to the plains of people who are sexually immoral. And we know why. Understand the spirit of immorality has permeated. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw that Israel had come to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian. So now the Moabites, they Moab. call who? The Midianites. Who ba are the Midianites? Midian the Midianites ba. are the children of Keturah. Who's Keturah? Keturah, Keturah. After Sarah died, Abraham, Abraham married a woman called Keturah. Abraham, you remember it? It's nice. Eh? We, are, we are doing Bible studies. Is it okay with you? Next time you read, you will realize oh, the Bible just talked to each other. Mm. And the Midianites were friends of Israel until some time later. Now, so the Moabites and the Midianites, they now have an issue with Israel. I'm reading. So Balak, son of Zippor, was king of Moab at that time. He sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor who was at Pithor near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them what? The fear of divination. Who 
Okay. Yeah, we are stuck. Ma, ma understand that one. They understand it. Eh? So they, they, they give him money. Now, here's what I want you to learn. Balak, Balak. hears from God. So they give him money. You remember the demon possessed girl in Acts chapter 16? Interesting, isn't it? The Bible says she was making lots of money for her owners. With demons. This one, owner, he also hears from God. He's given, they, they send them with money. Are you still okay? You look, now you look awake. Because you had money. The elders of Moab and Midian left taking with them the fear of divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here. Good start. Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite official stayed with him. God came to Balaam and asked him, who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak son of Zippor, king of Moab, send me this message. The people that has, has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. He's reporting to God. What Balak said. I must come. He'll pay me to curse Israel. But God said to Balaam. Do not go with them. People will struggle to get this part. But God said to him, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. They are uncursable. You can't curse them because I've already spoken a blessing over their lives. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. What are you hearing there? He says, The Lord has refused. I don't think it's difficult to understand. Personally, I want to go. But the Lord has refused. You see what he's saying? He's not saying, I share God's heart. About them. If those people are blessed, I can't curse them. Why waste my time and go with you? And in any case, God says I shouldn't go. Because anyway, there's no point going. Are you still following? But then listen. What did God say to him? Do not go. Verse 14. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other officials more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak son of Zippor says. Now listen to what Balak says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me. Because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people. 
But Balaam answered, Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now spend the night I mean, I don't know if you understand this guy. This guy. The one, thank you, I'm getting encouraged. When, when you get tired, you can sleep. At least I have someone who's listening. <laughs> God says, do not go. What does Balak say? Do not let anything stop you from coming to me. In that anything, God is included. Because the only reason Balaam is not going is because God said don't go. Balak says to him, don't let even God. Obviously, Balaam, Balak does not say, but Balaam should know that. And here's the interesting thing. If God says don't go, what makes you think he'll want you to go? Listen to what Balak. Balak instead of saying to these people, Go, I cannot come. He says, Wait, 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 wait. Let me go and hear what he has to say this time. Remember, we are talking about the era of that is in our churches. You will understand. So he says, that night God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to someone, you go with them. But do only what I tell you. Is God happy with him going? In Romans chapter 1, it tells you, If you suppress the word of God, God will hand you over to your own desires to destroy you. Balak, verse 21, got up in the morning, settled his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stepped on the narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. And he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would have killed you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your Biliam? Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden Ramalathi to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you. Because your path is a reckless one before me. Another version said the wicked one. 
The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not been of the donkey, I would have certainly killed you by now. But you, they would, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the now. Here's the thing. Thank you. The donkey. He just heard that the donkey saved his life. He just had a conversation. He can't even thank the donkey. Now listen to his answer. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you are displeased, I will go back. I don't think you understand this guy. This guy is stubborn. I have come to oppose you. Oh. Oh. Are you displeased? How I Then from there it says Balaam went with Balak. Again they went to a mountain to sacrifice. Remember, why did Balak call Balaam? To do the undoable. Why is Balaam here? But then, this is the part that I like. Let's just read that part for you. Because I think it's very beautiful. Listen to what they say. Verse 36. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the unknown border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to him, Did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Doesn't that sound familiar? Now listen to this guy. Well, I have come to you now. Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. That sounds right, ne? Until you start thinking about it. What's wrong with what Balaam is saying? Balaam says, you called me here to curse these people for which you will pay me. But now I'm here and God because I don't know what he's going to tell me to say. I can't say what I came here to say. I'll just speak what he says. And from there everywhere Balak says let's go to the place. Let me show you. Curse them for me. I can only speak what God says. Oh, here, oh, Balak. The Lord says, they are blessed. I told you not to bless them. Here's a question. They go to three places where this one shows it. Why is Balaam still going? Because the Lord has not said follow him again. If you go and read in chapter 31. Let's read where we read last week. 25, chapter 25. 
when Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before this god. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger bent against them. Now when you read in chapter 31, I won't read the whole thing for you. They fight them. But I want you to hear who dies in this. God is angry with Israel and Midian because Midianites Balaam gave them an advice. If I cannot curse them, just so that you have to pay me, let me give an advice. Seduce them. Guess who's going to sleep with them? The Moabite women. And they started inviting them. But here's a part I didn't read in the first service. But I told them to read it for themselves. Listen to it. It says, verse 7 of chapter 1. They fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every man. Among their victims were Evi, Rikem, Zur, and Her, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. Guess who they also killed? Who? Balaam. You see, God was still angry with Balaam even later. So, what is the error of Balaam? Here's the error of Balaam. Two things. One. Balaam used his gift for self-gratification. You know how many people in our churches are gifted, but they never use their gifts for God's glory. Men, yeah. You know the Bible speaks of the gift of administration. The gift of leadership. You know how many people have those gifts here? They are excelling at work. Never will they do that for God. Never. They can support all these charities where they are giving uh, accolades. But where they have to give without being recognized, never. That's an obscure example. Let me give a simple one. How many pastors meddle with the gospel to make money? You know, preaching is a very profitable business except in this church. You, you don't know that. Preaching is very profitable these days. The Bible says an elder must be a man who does not love money. A pastor must not be a lover of money. Paul says we do not meddle with the gospel for enrichment. But let's go and check. It's just that some of us are too dumb at least. You must by now. I'm searching you left and right. These testimonies that you had, they will be bringing money today. Because they are blessed by my anointing. You don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, don't worry. Others know. Our Mr. Ndo knows very well. 
We're going to start with thousands now. I'm going to lay hand on you. And you're going to feel the fire of God. And you're going to be so blessed going in and going out. Thousands. Thousands stand up. Look at this church. 50 rand. You don't call 50 rand. I know a guy. Maybe some of you know him. Who kicked offering on the stage? What is this? Arkins. And when you bring money here, how to such a bring money, don't bring cents and coins. You guys don't know them. Eh? God is good. Stay there. But people have used their gifts for enrichment. The second era of Balaam, he invented ways to circumspect the instructions of God. When God says, forgive, that's an instruction, you know that. You don't know that man. You don't know that man. Did God instruct you to reason out the do not go? When you Let's 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 just take two minutes and talk to the the love beds who are not married. Marut, Pastor, I need to talk to you about something. I met this guy. You know, Marut is so wonderful. He treats me well. And he says he wants to marry me. That sounds very familiar. Is he born again? Pastor, he goes to church. Is he born again? Pastor, let me go pray about it. Next week they come. You know, Pastor, I prayed. I feel the peace of God. You know what? The peace of God does not matter. Obedience is what matters. You know how many people here? Hey, they have prayed about so many things that are going wrong now. Because they never answered this question. You prayed, right? What did God say? Did God conflict himself on what he said in the Bible? How come now you are claiming I prayed? The <inaudible> fact that you prayed does not mean God approved. Are we together, friends? So, look at us here. I'm going to Holy <laughs> You see, you are laughing. Ask yourself one question. What is it that you still want to do only because God says so 
If not, you choose otherwise. Here's the thing, Bazalwan. Many people don't give because they want to give. They, a lot of Christians agree with God but they don't share his heart. No. Balaam, Balaam did not agree, didn't share God's heart. He did things out of feeling compelled by God. I used to be like that too. At least on some things I have repented. Hey, you see, if I was not born again, how many of us feel like I've given up a lot to be what I am to be? You've not given up anything. You see, you, if I was not saved, I was going to really, really deal with you. What are you saying? It is not my heart. Not to want to hurt you. It is only because this God compels me not to trap you. But if it was according to me, you see, the error of Balaam is to agree with God without a heart that desires to obey him. You tithe not because you love God. Whatever you do, you don't do because you love and you believe that God is wiser than you and me and whatever he says works out for the best. As we pray, let us ask God. Okay, ask this question before you make a request. If you were Balaam, when would you have stopped? When would you have stopped? The first time God said, do not go, would you have stopped there? Or you would have stopped the second time they came. Or when the angel of the Lord says, I've come to oppose, would you have stopped? The error of Balaam is not stopping what you are doing against the will of God in disobedience to God when God keeps talking to you. And when it catches up with you, this is what you will think. The devil is against me. The devil is always against you, but the devil can't do anything you don't allow him to. Balaam said, if you want Israel to be cursed, let them walk in sin. Simple. Are we here what I'm so you and I need to ask God, God help me by your grace to stop. It's not too late to stop. You know that. Married men, you know it's not too late. Things that we watch that we are not supposed to, it's not too late to stop. Flirting at the office, it's not too late to stop. Young men and women sleeping around and it's not too late to stop. But if you continue on the era of Balaam, you'll get to that place where it says, 
and she died or he died why because god cannot be mocked whatever a man sows shall he also reap and thank you for allowing me to preach very long let's just pray and ask god god help me to stop lord jesus grace and mercy belong to you and even in this time lord we recognize that there is now no condemnation to those that are in christ jesus we recognize that there is grace sufficient enough to pull us through in whatever area of struggle lord where we have forsaken our first love where we have gone astray lord to eat food sacrificed to idols lord where we have gone into immoral acts lord father we thank you that in you there is grace to stop lord even right now we pray lord for deliverance jesus for those that are caught lord in any form of addiction we say be loosed in the name of jesus let those clutches of the devil over your lives be broken in jesus name for a release your people to freedom to love you and to hate sin for freedom lord never to walk in the ways of balaam lord but that when you speak to us we may know lord you are beautiful your face is always sick we are the people who are aware that with you obedience is better than sacrifice lord. we come to you lord seeking only one thing your glory we pronounce your blessing over your people lord give them victory in every area where they feel defeated where they feel weak where they feel challenged may they know lord nothing is impossible to him that believes all things are possible for those who know their god shall do great exploits father we thank you for their strength and their patience over this time of your word lord each one of them your word declares that there is a blessing that comes upon those who hear your word lord who read them and who keep the testimony of jesus christ may they see abundance in their lives lord in jesus name amen